This evening's reading is in the Church Blue Bibles on page 1139, and we're reading um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. So that's page 1139, chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us, to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much that you speak and you speak such wonderful words. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't take any of this for granted, but that there would be a freshness and reality about the truths we see this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about men and women in the church, continuing the series that we've been doing throughout uh, September and now into October. But if we're talking about men and women in the church, why are we looking at Romans 12? Because it doesn't seem like it's relevant in any way. Well, it's not a mistake. We're in Romans 12 because when talking about men and women in the church, Far too often, the conversation starts with difference. In some churches, it's almost like the manifesto, kind of the slogan for what men and women in church should do is men, only men can be elders and women shouldn't preach. It's like that's the slogan summing up everything that men and women are supposed to do or not do in church. And this is a big mistake. Because these churches, by having that as their kind of manifesto, accidentally teach that, men, your role is to slowly progress until one day you become an elder. And, women, your job is to not preach. (laughs) That's 
the summary of what the roles are in church. And, and it's just a horrible caricature. You know those caricatures that uh, you sometimes see artists doing at the beach or somewhere touristy? The, um, the ears are massive. Maybe that's appropriate in my situation. The, the teeth are very big. The eyes are really exaggerated. And, it, and it's really quite grotesque. That's what happens when we start the conversation with our differences and distinctives. The portrait gets horribly exaggerated. And it really is quite destructive, actually. Within this caricature, men in the church who aren't elders or aren't in leadership are likely to disengage because they feel like, well, I'm not in leadership, so my contributions don't really matter. Those men would feel underappreciated, like their contributions just don't really count. And within this caricature, women won't speak up when decisions need to be made. And maybe they won't even pray out loud in the prayer meeting, because they feel like they would be overstepping some kind of boundary and that their contributions wouldn't be welcome. Honestly, there are so many dangers in starting with difference. Um, I'll just mention one more. Uh, When we see the opposite sex as primarily other, it becomes far, far easier to objectify the opposite sex and far, far harder to see them as brothers or sisters in Christ. It really is dangerous to have this caricatured view of what men and women should do in church. We are going to talk about our distinctives, but that's going to come next week. Because if you remember from the start of our series, um, yes, in Genesis 2, God created men and women to be um, beautifully distinct. But God starts the conversation in Genesis 1. We are gloriously the same, the same image, the same mission, men and women together filling and ruling the world. And when it comes to male and female in the church, God follows the same pattern there as well. Yes, there are distinctives, but he starts with what we have in common. And that's why we're in Romans 12. Romans 12 is addressed to brothers and sisters. It's addressed to all of us, regardless of whether we are male or female. This is what we are to be doing in church without distinction. So, what should a man or a woman do in church? Two points. Firstly, men and women of Christ church, God calls you to sacrifice. That's what we read in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. God wants us to sacrifice. And I think it's worth acknowledging at the start that this is something all of us do already. We all sacrifice, we just do it on different altars. So um, sacrifice seems to be at the heart of, of all religions as far as I can tell, but it's not just for religious people. We, we all sacrifice um, when, uh, when we go to the gym, we offer our effort and our energy on the altar of health and fitness. When we go to work, we offer our time 
and our abilities on the altar of prosperity. When we go to the shopping centre, we offer our money on the altar of comfort or beauty or anything like that. We give so that we can get something. So religious or not, we, we all sacrifice. So what sort of sacrifice is Paul urging us to here in Romans 12? We are urged to sacrifice in view of God's mercy. Romans chapter 12 starts with a really big, juicy therefore. And this therefore points all the way back to all the 11 chapters that Paul has written to until this point. In other words, Paul is saying, because of everything I have written so far, sacrifice. If you want to know what God's message is to the world, read the first 11 chapters of Romans. It would be very easily manageable um, this week. If you want to know what God has to say to the world, read those first 11 chapters. But if you don't manage that this week, don't worry, because Paul sums it all up in one word. Therefore, in view of God's mercy. That is the summary of everything that he's written so far. Mercy. That is God's message for the world. That is God's message for Banstead. That is God's message for you. Mercy. Mercy. Uh, to summarize um, what we, what's happened so far in Romans briefly, every day our twisted minds do violence against the fabric of reality, flipping God's world upside down, worshipping what is created rather than the creator. We worship health, we worship prosperity, we worship beauty, we worship comfort. And every time we do, creation groans and another crack is made in God's world. Many, of course, rightly condemn the the horrible destruction that humanity is doing against our world through um, carbon emissions, through deforestation and the like. But as wrong as that is, it is just a surface hairline fracture and underneath there are just a million fractures, a million deep cracks caused by our sin. We are all guilty. We read in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God would be completely righteous to judge us. He would be completely righteous to exclude us from the new creation. But his word to us is not judgment. His message to the world, to Banstead, to you, is not judgment. He says mercy. These beautiful words from Romans 3 continue for all who have faith. I don't know if there are any more precious words than these. Yes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. In other words, God, in his mercy, he doesn't give us judgment. 
he gives us Jesus. He doesn't give us judgment. He gives us Jesus. Jesus didn't offer himself as a living sacrifice like we read here. He offered himself as a bleeding, dying, sin-bearing, creation-renewing, rebel-rescuing sacrifice. He sacrificed himself so that all who put their faith in him will be saved. It's mercy. It's mercy for everyone who puts their trust in him. Everyone who calls Jesus Savior and Lord. And this matters. Paul doesn't command us to sacrifice so that we can get mercy. That's not what we read in verse 1. Christian sacrifice isn't like um, going to the gym or the shops or anywhere else where we give so that we might get. Paul here urges us to look at God's cross-shaped mercy and in response willingly offer what is appropriate. Christians give because of what we've already got. So, um, yeah, if you find sacrifice hard, remember that it's in view of God's mercy. The solution to being able to live a sacrificial life is not to try harder, not just to try harder anyway. It's to look at God's mercy, to look at Christ's sacrifice. We're called to sacrifice, and this sacrifice is also living. The difficult thing about a living sacrifice is that it's really hard to keep on the altar. It kind of jumps free and escapes the knife. It clip-clops out of the temple and into the camp. It's found in people's homes. It's found chewing the carpet. It's found helping itself to the tomatoes in the marketplace. It follows the workers out to the farms and the fields. Jesus is the dying sacrifice. He's the one who shed his blood to make us right with God. That was a once and for all event that never needs to be repeated. But we are to be living sacrifices. That means that we perform sacrifices that are ongoing, that are all-encompassing. Sacrifices that escape the temple and invade every other area of life. We're not called to a once-in-a-lifetime sacrifice when we become Christians. We're not called to a once-a-week sacrifice when we come to church. We're not called to a -a once-a-day sacrifice even when we read our Bibles and pray. We are called to be living sacrifices. That is ongoing, all-encompassing. Every minute of every day is an offering in our homes, in the marketplace, in our work. It's a call to build your whole life as an altar to the Lord. What if every hour of your life was a brick? Here's one. It says on it, uh, October the 3rd, 7 p.m. till 8 p.m. At the end of each hour, you are going to place your brick on one altar or other. It's going to go on an altar. Will you place it on the altar of comfort, using that next hour to pursue um, ease as your ultimate goal? Will you place that brick on the altar of prosperity, uh, using that hour with the highest goal of, of securing, of consolidating and building your wealth? 
Will you place that brick on the altar of your own independence, having that as your highest goal? Paul calls us every single hour to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And that means placing every single brick on an altar to the Lord, hour after hour, until it towers and towers above every other altar. Every other altar except one, because however much we sacrifice, however many hours we give to the Lord, we will never outgive God. Christ's sacrifice for us will always be superior. But still we ask, are you going to be a living sacrifice in the next hour? Will you place that next brick on the altar to the Lord? This sacrifice is living, and this sacrifice is pleasing. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. What does it mean to be a pleasing sacrifice? Well, this is where verse 2 comes in. It'd be lovely to spend more time on this, but we, we won't. It means being a pleasing sacrifice means not conforming, but transforming. As we're living hour by hour, laying our bricks, our, our minds, our opinions, our habits, our behaviours are constantly changing. None of us are, are set. All of those things are like, like mixed concrete, ready to be poured into one mould or another. And spending time in the world, as we do, it's very easy to be conformed to the mould of the world, the pattern of the world, the world's way of thinking and acting and behaving. Instead, and if that happens, we, of course, will start placing our bricks on the wrong altars. But if we spend our time looking at God's mercy, if, as we are in the world, we reflect on how God wants us to live, if we spend time um, preaching the gospel to ourselves, being around other believers, then we are constantly, like that unset concrete, being poured not into the world's mould, but into the mould of the gospel. Gospel-shaped thinking, gospel-shaped opinions, gospel-shaped habits and behaviour. We will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then we will be pleasing sacrifices, placing brick by brick on altars to the Lord. It's an important question for all of us. Are you being moulded by the world or are you being moulded by the gospel? This is what men and women should do in church. In view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living, pleasing sacrifices. That is our proper worship. That is our appropriate worship. That is just the right response to a God who has shown us so much mercy and so much sacrifice. The conversation about men and women in the church, it so easily becomes about self-promotion, self-exaltation. It, it, it can turn into a competition about who can reach the top of the pyramid, through um, whether that's through chauvinism or whether that's through aggressive forms of feminism. 
It's about who can reach the position of most power and authority. But church life, Romans 12 life, mercy, gospel-shaped life is not like that. It's not a race to the top. It's a race actually to the bottom. It's a race to the bottom. Not who can rule, but who can sacrifice. The gospel flips our priorities upside down. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hit some of the really difficult passages in the New Testament about men and women. And if our minds are conformed to the world, we're really going to struggle with this. But if we are being transformed, if we are having our minds, habits, behaviours shaped, moulded by the gospel, we will gladly lay ourselves down. Because this is important. The Bible never exalts men over women. It humbles both under Christ. And that's a perspective that we need to have first and foremost. In the church, both men and women are called to sacrifice. And secondly... God wants men and women to serve in church. Let's read verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I mean, that speaks for itself, doesn't it? Um, It's very easy to understand what we've just read, but it's awfully hard to live it out. We are all so tempted to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. But uh, this is a command to think of ourselves with sober judgment. And the basis for not having that big puffed up view of ourselves is given in the verses that follow. Firstly, we're not to think we're all that because we are part of Christ's body. Do you see that there? Verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It's not like there's There's one person exalted over separate category to the rest. We are all one body belonging to one another. And that's whatever your abilities, whatever your giftings, whatever your age, whatever your gender, we are one body in Christ. The other thing that's going to stop us from having too big a view of ourselves is to note that if we have abilities, they're not ours by right. They are gifts. They are given. It's so striking how often that language comes up in these verses. Verse 3, by the grace given me. Uh, Then uh, later in verse 3, the faith God has distributed to each of you. Uh, Then continuing in verse 6, different gifts. And again, according to the grace given to each of us. And then all these different gifts are listed. And and just in case we haven't got the idea, among those gifts is the gift of giving and giving generously. So it's all about giving. If we have 
talents, if we have abilities, if we're blessed in one way or other, it's not ours by right to be used for our own advantage. They are gifts. And here's the the third thing that should humble us. Those gifts, they're not rights. They're not ours by rights. They are responsibilities. We all have a responsibility to perform our function if we are believers in the church. Um, There's no appendix in the body of Christ. There is nothing that is useless. There is no one that doesn't have a purpose. We all have a function. And I think we can draw two main applications relevant to our male and female series from, from what we've read here. Firstly, if you're gifted to teach or to lead, you haven't reached the top of the pyramid. Being gifted in teaching or leading doesn't make you special. It doesn't make you more special than anyone else. Your position isn't a right, it's a responsibility. So if you can teach, teach. And if you are able to lead, lead and lead diligently. Not for our own agenda, but for the sake of the body. We should see ourselves as belonging to everybody else and responsible to everybody else. Second application. If you're serving in the church, be encouraged. Because there's more to being a man in the church than becoming an elder or being in leadership. There's more, much more, to being a woman in the church than not preaching. Let's read the the list of gifts here from verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Notice that these gifts aren't restricted to any particular gender. This is addressed to both men and women. And we love that in church we have men and women performing all these different functions. We love that we have men who every single Saturday will set out all the chairs in here and back there. Uh, we might, you might assume that these chairs kind of just stay here during the week, but they don't. They need to be set out. And we have faithful men who do this humbly, setting an example, um, leading by example in sacrificial love. We are so thankful for that. And we love that we have women who are great teachers, great encouragers, um, as they speak God's word in one-to-ones, in um, bite sides at the front for all the church family, and in small groups as well. We, we love that we have men and women performing all these different gifts. It matters. All these functions um, are just as vital as all the others. So if you are serving in any of, the, any of those areas, be encouraged, because what you are doing is so, so valuable. And, and thirdly, the third application, again, whether you are, are a man or a woman, if you're a Christian, serve. You may not know it yet. You may not know what it is, but 
But God has gifted you. The Holy Spirit has gifted you with a function to perform in the church. And maybe there are some people here who, who are thinking, yes, I'd like to serve, but I don't really know where, and I don't really know how, I don't really know what to do. Well, that's great that you're thinking that way. Um, do please speak to, to me or uh, someone else that you recognize from up, up at the front uh, after church, and maybe just, just, just say, you know, I'd like to serve. I don't really know what my gifts are, but you know, I've, I've heard about God's mercy, and I, I want to I be sacrificial in the way I serve this church. What do you reckon? And we'd love to have that conversation with you. Whether you are male or female, a man or a woman, you are so, so, so valuable, so, so, so precious, and your contributions are so, so needed. We are going to talk about distinctives next week. But there's another application that I think we should draw first. Let's be very careful that we don't create a division in the body of Christ. We are one body, whatever our abilities, whatever our gifts, whatever our age, whatever our gender. There's a couple of things we need to watch out for lest we create a division in Christ's body between male and female. A couple of examples. Here's a danger. When we see the opposite sex primarily as a temptation or a threat to our marriages or our relationships, it's very dangerous to view someone as primarily a threat. If we are one body, brothers and sisters, that should be the primary way we view each other. It's very important that we bear that danger in mind. Second danger, that we place too high a priority on single-sex events. It's not that they don't have a role. I think it would be great if uh, loads of men came to the the, the pub on Tuesday. I think it's brilliant that we had such a well-attended women's event a couple of Saturdays ago. But let's say for the sake of argument, men, you only have one free evening this week. Um, ideally, you, you have more than one free evening and you, you come to lots of things. But if you're weighing up in your mind, do I come to the Woolpack on Tuesday or do I come to the prayer meeting on Thursday? 100% every single time prioritize the event for everybody. And the same is true for women. Yes, those single-sex events have their place. They're really important, but they're not as important as being together as one body in Christ. We are going to talk about distinctives next week, but for now... Let's remember that the Bible doesn't exalt men over women. The Bible humbles both under, under Christ. We are to sacrifice and we are to serve regardless of whether we are male or female. And all of it is in view of God's great mercy. Let's pray.
Almighty God, we thank you so much for being merciful to us. We thank you that you haven't spoken a word of judgment, but a word of mercy. Lord, we thank you that every single one of us who puts our faith in Christ will be safe forever. Father, please help us to respond with the only appropriate response to sacrifice, to be living sacrifices, and to serve your people humbly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.